Hey everyone and welcome to But That's Just My Opinion, the podcast hosted by me, Matt Lantrip. And me, David. Yeah, that guy. Where we interview people about any opinion they have on any topic of their choice. So today, Dave and I are going to be uh, sitting down just by ourselves today talking about some fan theories, some fun stuff that people like to just believe about their favorite shows and TV and books and stuff. And Yeah, we're doing, we're doing the fan theory episode. I've been wanting to do it. I've been trying to find someone to do it, but it's been kind of hard to find someone like who knew like a lot of the same stuff. Right. And, and, and here's the thing about fan theories is there's a million fan theories for a million things. It's kind of like a... And you can poke holes in pretty much all of them. Sure. There, there's like a rule 34 of, of fan theories. That like if there is a episode of something that there's a fan theory about it. You know what I mean? Like there's infinitesimal fan theories because it literally is just like, hey, I'm a fan and here's my theory. Yeah. I mean, like there, there are fan theories that I follow on like Game of Thrones fan theory. Klingon Bowl, get hype. Who? Oh yeah, Klingable. Klingane. I thought you said Klingon Bowl. Did I, you say Klingon Bowl? I'm. I think I messed up. How okay, I yeah, Klingon Bowl. Klingon uh, Bowl, get hype. Um, stuff like I, I don't know. There's like a. I think his name is Alt X. Um, I could be fucking that up because I haven't watched it since like the last Game of Thrones series. Mm-hmm. But uh, every time like a new episode airs, like he posts a whole breakdown of the video and like what it could be hinting at and like yeah. some some Easter eggs to like like sh- be like, hey, this is a reference to this scene. Um. I'm a big fan of that shit. I'm a big fan of, of fan theories as a whole. Uh, I have I have a couple like pet favorite ones, but we're going to talk about some ones that I'm actually kind of excited about right now. Yeah, so pretty much, uh, I was I have always known about fan theories, and honestly, it was just more stuff between friends that I would really talk about it with. And then on Reddit, a couple like a month or two ago, this whole thing there was like a big Ask Reddit thread where people are like, "What's the?" It was like what is the fan theory you 100% believe as canon? Mm -hmm. And so obviously most of these aren't confirmed. Some of them were like things that were actually talked about by writers and stuff. Right. Or like things that people talked like, I mean, it was like stuff they were going to do, but never got to. So they were just hinted at. And so that kind of like it's So it's like half fan theory, half actual thing. Right. But a lot of them were just like, people being like reading probably way too into some of the stuff and just creating their own things. And yeah, it makes it fun. And it's totally cool. I, I enjoy it for, for a lot of reasons. Because like it's sometimes it's a reimagining of like how someone made a story element play out and like people didn't catch it or people didn't look at it the right way. And now that there's this fan theory of like, hey, if we take all these little clues that are left in this movie, are we trying to be told this thing? And like I think it's really interesting. Um a lot of times the people who create it are like, No, but sure, believe that. I like that. But also sometimes fan theories totally work out. In fact, yeah. that's how uh the showrunners got the rights from J.R.R. Martin to make Game of Thrones. Um did you ever hear the story? No, I so haven't. So apparently the the guy the two guys who like went to J.R.R. Martin, like people would try to get him to like make a movie out of the series and he wouldn't do it, like T V shows and he wouldn't do it. Finally these guys, like super fans, went and like got him to to sign off on it and the, he he told them, like, Okay, if you guys can correctly tell me who Jon Snow's parents are, I will, or Jon Snow's, who Jon Snow's mother is, I will, you know, let you, let you write the show. Oh, is that where the R plus L equals J? Well, no, no, no. So that was never revealed. So like the showrunners like, were like, can you give us five minutes to talk about it? And he was like, sure. And so they turned around, they chatted for a minute and they came back and they gave them their guess and then he gave them the rights to the show. Because they figured it out. Right. But now that doesn't like, they never talked about like who they guessed or like who they put it out as. But yeah, then there was this, ho- this you know, after that, people were talking about like the, the parentage and like so many people were like going to like scripts and like breaking down scripts and breaking down notes from J.R.R. Martin and breaking down like discussions he's had with people and like trying to figure it out. And like yeah. people finally figured it out. And then like it was confirmed in the show. 
Yeah, just this past. Real interesting, uh, yeah. Just the, like, was it the season finale of this uh, last it was, one? It was towards the end of the last season. Yeah. But like then also, the there's, I don't know if you know about this, uh, the second coming, basically, like, the person who's going to, like, save the, the living realm from the White Walkers. Like, so there's all these, like, breakdowns of, like, who it would be, like, this prophecy stuff, and people are breaking down, like, why every character would work and, like, using for different... different reasons and Yeah, stuff, for different yeah. reasons and, like, different, uh, It's you know, Tyrion. We all know that. Yeah, well, different, <laughs> different uh, explanations of, like, the prophecy and different, like, interpretations of it and using all of those different interpretations to create different fan theories. It's absolutely fascinating. Nice. Yeah, so there's a couple shows I think we strayed away from stayed away from yeah for like this we because we didn't do any rick and morty no because rick and morty is like there's more fan theories than there are multiverses in that <laughs> right and and the great thing about that is justin Rowland's actually come out and and said on a handful of occasions like there are things that we've hinted at in the show that we never intend on explaining yeah um and well and, i mean that's just because they're crazy people <laughs> well, yeah but i have it from an inside source from a person of interest mm. um that he Drunk correctly Justin guessed Roiland. what it was to Justin Roiland personally. Yeah. And Justin Roiland gave them like the answer of like, like, yeah, that's the one. That's the one we're never going to touch on. Um, you nailed it. Good job, you. We'll Don't post ta- it on we'll, Reddit. We'll talk after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's, oh, yeah, that's top is, classified Justin yeah. Roiland secret. Yeah, I will. I would like to know this. I will. I will I'll make the blood pact to never. Just, <laughs> yeah, you can't post it on Reddit. You can't talk about it on, on air. Oh, Justin Roiland, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, Justin Roiland, please don't shoot us, Mr. Roiland. We're going to keep your secret safe. We swear we're not going to do it on the podcast. I swear. Ah! Ah, Justin Roiland! <laughs> so, yeah, so we'll go through. Some of these are not so much like things that are going to be super discussed. Like some of them were just kind of funny throwaway ones. Yeah, I mean, we'll even a couple of them like, couple I don't really know about, which is interesting to me. Yeah, and, um, and they're kind of just like, you just like, oh, that's an interesting connection to make. And uh-huh. that's kind of about all there is to it. Yeah, so let's let's toss yeah. out some some of the easy ones. So real like quick. the first one, Ben Stiller's character from Heavyweights is the same character as Ben Stiller from Dodgeball. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Heavyweights, because I'm sure most of you are familiar with Dodgeball, because if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. ball. Um, White Goodman in Dodgeball, and then let me look up his name in 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 Heavyweights. White so Stiller. in Heavyweights, uh, Ben Stiller is a fat camp counselor, right? Is, am right. I missing yeah. that? I haven't seen it since like it was on Comedy Central when I was like It's 14. on Netflix right now. That's, oh, that's why it's like getting oh, a lot okay. more traction. That's brilliant. Uh, so yeah, the the whole premise is like he's a fat camp counselor um, and he plays a similar character to what he was in Dodgeball. Not quite. I mean, Dodgeball is a little bit more over the top a-hole. Oh, uh, he's still over the top in heavyweights. Oh, yeah. But, Remember the scene where he's like walking on broken glass and... Yeah, but I mean like in Dodgeball he's like... He he's well. Dodgeball's got a certain sense of humor, and like he fits in with the dodgeball sense of humor. That I don't think that character would translate exactly over to heavyweights. Yeah, but this is one of those where it's like it might just be like just because it's the same actor and it's a similar like scenario in the same way that like later on on this list, which well, I'll just spoil now. There's one on this list that uh, the Tony Perkis. Tony Perkis is his name, name in heavyweights. heavyweights. Yeah, I mean, like in the second, what was his name in dodgeball? White Goodman. Yeah, and that sounds like a fake name, right? So, I mean, maybe, yeah, there's a change. Like, yeah, the whole change. point is he, like, after the whole, like, theory is that after uh, the whole fat camp fiasco, his father disowned him, but he still had a bunch of money because he was really right. rich in that. So he changed his name, started Globo Gym, and then they have, like, the exact same personality, but he just, like, changed his hair, changed mm-hmm. his look, and instead of doing fat people, he just starts shaming them and just wants all ripped people. Right. So, so like, there's a total, like, yeah, there's a two crazy there. guys, uh-huh. like, 
I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, there's there's an interesting split into and and the comeback there. Uh, this this though is like so heavily based on the fact that it's it's the same actor. Yeah, pretty. In much. the same way that like there's this really dumb fan theory. I'm calling it really dumb, Matt. I know. Even though we I just like talked it. about it. I like it. So We're you introduce it. You I like it off the list. Okay. So yeah, there's also a theory that uh, Jack from Titanic is Gat is a uh, Jay Gatsby. So pretty much Jack never actually dies. He ends right. up just letting Rose go and then goes after he uh, gets saved, joins the war, changes his name and becomes Jay Gatsby. And it's the stupidest fan theory for like nine reasons. One, it's because the only thing that connects it is the fact that Leo played Leo them plays them movies. both. Yeah. Like other than that, there's no connection. Like there's no logical connection. See, you know, my, what you're saying is that F. Question, Scott Fitzgerald wrote that book. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is that... When they made Titanic? James Cameron made Titanic. Yeah. Okay, so you're saying that James Cameron made Titanic with the intention of doing a prequel to The Great Gatsby, a book by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's... (laughs) No, I know. That's completely stupid. It's crackpot. I just like like to think... But it kind of makes sense because, like, it's just... the It makes sense in the fact of the character traits. I think it makes sense in the idea that they're both played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And this, I think, is the perfect example of like why you have to take fan theories with a grain of salt. Oh, every single one of these is a grain of salt. Yeah, I and mean, this is this is like the the quintessential perfect example of like this. I mean, like, well, I mean, he could also be like the great grandson of John Candy. Yeah, from you know <laughs> Candy Ranch and Django. Like, it's yeah. it's it's just it's just dumb. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing really like concrete to go off of. And yeah. like to say that it is that fan theory is to say that James Cameron made Titanic as a prequel to the great Gatsby, yeah. which again is just a crazy person's, uh, actions. Um, James, <laughs> well, I mean, if James, James Cameron actually did that, then he would be a crazy person. Well, he is a crazy person, right? Regardless of how crazy have you have seen be, avatar. <laughs> I have. And I know that there's four more coming and there's gonna be an avatar land, which is like announced and being advertised now. Oh yeah. It's pra- it's practically built. Yeah. That's blowing my mind. But like, this this is about as much credence as we're allowed to give fan theories mm-hmm, for the much. most part. There are a handful that are like, oh, that's not necessarily a fan theory as much as like, that's an interesting interpretation of this the story show, element. Yeah. And so I think we have to make a distinction when we're talking about these these theories is, is this an interesting interpretation or is this a Great Gatsby Titanic fan theory? Yeah. Okay. So that's how we'll do We'll base yeah. it off of is like... It a Gatsby, is it a Leo fan theory or is it a, a like interpretation fan theory? We'll do it based off of, uh, you know, I'll, oh, I know how we'll set our metric. It's a scale. Is this gonna be a scale? Yeah, we're gonna have a scale. So we'll have one Titanic. Is, one is Leo. Yeah, Leo. Titan- the uh-huh. Titanic Gatsby is like the low end, and then the high end is uh, one of one of the funniest ones to me is that um, Tobias Fuque from Arrested Development, David Cross's character, okay. is an albino black man. I'm not gonna go with it. I'm not gonna make that our top end one. I think. Our- no, no, no. I'm saying that because. Ron Howard and David Cross in interviews said they have dropped hints, and that was actually an arc that was going to play out if they had more than three seasons. So that was something that was actually going to be canon. Okay, I'll allow it. I'll go with it. So that that's what I'm saying. Something that has been it confirmed is, to be canon versus something that is just people being like, oh, same actor, let's do it. Okay. So right, Ben fair. Stiller Heavyweights is on the Jack is on the Titanic Gatsby end. I'd say it give. I'd say it goes a little bit more up because it's a lot more plausible with like character wise. Because they're yeah. I mean, I I think if anything, it it's probably uh, if Ben Stiller was just like yeah, that Tony Perkins character from Heavyweights, I drew a lot of inspiration for White exactly. Goodnight. Like 
that alone could be like, all right, that makes it more plausible. Right. Than but that. that being more plausible doesn't mean that it's real because, I mean, just the idea of Ben Stiller saying, like, I took a lot of inspiration from playing that character. Yeah, yeah. Then it's just like... Not the same thing. Yeah. yeah you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's the same idea as, like, uh, you know, when Rocky was playing Rocky, he took a lot of... Stallone. Yeah. Well, his name is Rocky now. Oh, right? yeah. When he was playing Rocky, he took a lot of inspiration from earlier versions of Rocky. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah I get you. Yeah, it's like, look, you're going to draw on something. Granted, that's the same character, but like you're playing a very similar character. You might draw some inspiration. It's like when, um, what's yeah, you call it? I get, no, I totally get what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, when Johnny Depp played, um, oh my God, Fear and Loathing. Oh, Hunter S. Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson. And then he went to play uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Jack Sparrow. It's like both drunks, both a little crazy, both well, he, the world correctly. Well, he based Jack Sparrow completely off of uh, Keith, Richards. Keith Richards. Right, but also like to draw some of his performance off of like being a little bit that, crazy like yeah. when he was... Uh, On drugs in that movie. Yeah, yeah, Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah. Like that's, you know... Yeah, you, I get, you get, it. get it. I get it. So we'll put heavyweights on that Titanic. In the, uh, the, but that Tobias Fuque one is just because it is being confirmed that was a thing they were working on. Yeah, on the Titanic Tobias scale, I'd give it a two. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give it a two. Yeah, for heavyweights. Yeah. But can we? I mean, can, what's the acronym for that scale? Let's say it's it's the LT scale, Leo Tobias, <laughs> or LDC, Leo or Jack. No, 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 LDC. It'll be Leo David Cross, Leonardo DiCaprio to David to Cross. David Cross. So it's LDC or, or LDC DC. I'm trying to think. Tad. Tad. Titanic to Arrested Development. Okay, Tad. On the Tad, tad scale. Tad, on the Tad Got scale, it. it's a two. It's a two on the Tad scale. <laughs> um, listeners, Guys, for all future for references, we're using the Tad, tad scale. scale. <laughs> this, we'll probably use this a lot more. <laughs> just the yeah, the Tad scale is going to make a comeback, I'm sure. Yeah, well, we're starting it. It's not a. We're starting this Tad scale. We're going to make it a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, everyone go on Reddit and let's talk about the Tad scale. Let's bring I, it back. We may actually do that. <laughs> so, all right. So, there's that one. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the whole thing of Tobias being a black albino black man is just absolutely hilarious because i mean if you've ever seen that show it makes sense and it's just it's just so funny because he always feels out of place and he's always trying and he's always like getting along trying to get along with black people in that show way more than anyone else does he is is the fan theory that he knows that he's an albino black man yeah and just no one else knows okay is it something that he actively keeps away from people yeah Oh. yeah so and they're and they're like yeah no he's he's an albino black man but doesn't think it's that big of a deal right because he's so crazy everywhere else it's just mm-hmm. like another part of him right yeah and so um, they sub- they've subtly dropped hints throughout and then they were going to make it an actual like reveal right i mean this this reminds me immediately and we don't have this written down as part of the list but this reminds me of the the kramer time traveler theory Oh, I've heard that where yeah. he's always opening the door because he never knows what time he's in. Yeah, so every time he throws him in the door and he's looking around and trying to like figure out what's happening, he's like, "Oh man, like I don't know what time it is." And like the reason he has all these crackpot like experiences is because he's heard about the things that he's done in the future. Is like, like, oh, remember that time that you were a crazy person here? And he's like, "Oh my god, I have to go back and do that, otherwise mm-hmm. the times get messed up." Yeah. So he's like so strung out all the time because he's trying to make sure all the timelines don't get fucked up. Yeah. Which is why he's always doing crazy shit and always throwing open doors and like looking around draft like <laughs> dramatically, like, "Okay, where's everything? Okay, okay." There's that's where we are there's that and there's also that him and newman are drug dealers okay because he they never say what his job is but he is always having an apartment right but i mean there's like one where i was reading and people are like well that's kind of discredited because there's the uh the sniffing accountant episode where like the accountant turns out to be like a cokehead or whatever Uh and then kramer's like super shocked but granted he could just be playing shock to keep it low but they're also like jerry's a comedian uh 
George was like a professional, and then when he got into sports writing and stuff, and then Elaine uh-huh. just doesn't fit in anywhere because she's such a crackpot. That's like, yeah, of course these guys would just in New York City be friends with some drug dealer that they just don't they don't know, right? But they don't really, they don't really care ask. to ask, right? You know, uh, so we, on that, yeah, I'm trying to think on the Tad scale where that would be. That'd probably be on like which a, one on the drug dealer? Yeah, on the drug dealer, I'm gonna go with like I'd say like a four, like a four, like it's middling, definitely. Um, time traveler, definitely a one yeah, or a two, definitely a one. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like a two, yeah. one or two. It's yeah. low, it's low yeah. on the Tad scale. <laughs> All right, so next one, we'll get into uh, we'll get into one more of the uh, characters being from different movies. Okay, to finish this off. Oh, you're going to do James Bond? Yeah, so Sean Connery's character, Mason, in The Rock, is actually James Bond. And this, uh, they pretty much say it without saying he's James Bond. Because uh, in the movie, he's actually a former MI6 agent. He knows all this stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, where did he get all that training from? From being James Bond. Right. I mean, this is this is one of the ones that I have no no connection to i don't i've never watched the movie um so it's tough for me to sit back and be like okay yeah this makes sense as a fan theory so i mean to me it's a low tad scale you know it's almost it's almost up a butt against the leo tad but also because it is a michael bay thing to me that makes it a lot more plausible that he just wrote the character as james bond and then just gave him a different name right yeah, I mean, and this happens with in Hollywood now and again, like where a script is written and then it becomes part of a series or not part of a series, basically depending on funding and who picks up the script. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you remember when White House Down came out and then it was also oh, Olympus Has Fallen, Fallen, like yeah. in the same year. Yeah. And it's like, both of those movies are kind of bad diehard movies. Yeah. And it's like, we're those just like well, failed diehard scripts. That, everything like, after Die Hard 3 is a bad diehard movie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before of, like, there are diehard movies that, like, Die Hard 4 just might have been, like, an action movie, and they're like, yeah, but this could be a diehard movie, so let's make it a diehard movie. Yeah. And they did. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't really follow it with any rest of the diehards. It's like, no. maybe, you know, both these scripts were written as diehard scripts. Maybe this was, like, supposed to be written as, like, a post... Uh, James Bond James or Bond something. thing. And... It just like yeah. never came through, but Sean Connery like signed on to it because he thought it was fun to like do like a post James Bond movie, or he was just honestly the movie it's it's in like Michael Bay's good era, yeah. And Michael we got Armageddon, The Rock, uh, Bad Boys One and Two, and you know those mm-hmm. those movies before he started going super heavy CGI. Yeah, before Michael Bay decided to join the future, yeah, um, effectively. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to weigh too heavy on this, but yeah. I will give it a low tad we'll scale. We'll have to watch it seems the like, right, It still seems like an actor basis. Yeah, we should so watch I'm still going to go with a low tad scale. Maybe we'll watch it after. It's a good movie. I haven't seen it in a while, Maybe. but it's actually pretty I'm going to go with a tad one. I'll go with like a tad three. Okay. Maybe if I watch it, I'll have to upgrade yeah. my tad scale. And that's the fun thing about a lot of these fan theories. They may not be true, but they're just a fun way to go back and watch the movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like one that I give a tad one to is that Ferris Bueller is a figment of Cameron's imagination. Okay. Well, Cameron the, is the the hero of that movie. He yeah. The and event, yeah. and uh, Ferris Bueller is just him being sick one day in his house, finally fed up with his life, creating a character and playing it out in his head as him, as Ferris Bueller, as this other guy gaining his confidence yeah. in his mind. And, and then doing well, his whole yeah. adventure. And the only thing that is real is he actually does destroy his father's Ferrari. Right, which is why he does go on this, like... Well, Ferris Bueller does all of the fourth wall breaking in mm-hmm. the movie, and like there is all this like weirdness to like the principal trying to break into Ferris Bueller's house and like this like outlandish stuff. 
Well, granted, that's just an 80s comedy. Right. An <laughs> 80s comedy, sure, but also still outlandish. Like, it's yeah. a really, really bizarre scenario. And so, yeah, maybe, like, the writer was sitting there being like, okay, like, this is all just, like, the th- like the thing that's going on yeah. in this character's head. Yeah. And so that's where it's like, oh, you can go back and kind of watch it as that. Right. I'd so. give it a tad scale of, like, four for watchability. But yeah. I, but believability, it's pretty low. It's a one, for yeah. sure. It's a, it's a one, for sure, uh, in believability, but... I think we'll get. I'm going to give it to four just because it's an interesting way to watch that movie. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and that's what's fun about these things. Uh, another one. So going off of that, another way mm-hmm. of um, an interesting way to rewatch something mm-hmm. is The Office. Okay, are you a big Office fan? I'm not a big Office fan, but I keep getting compared to The Office lately. You do? Yeah. So huh. recently, somebody called me Toby. That uh, <laughs> I'm the Toby of where I work, and that our manager, my buddy John, is the Michael. That we are Toby and Michael. I would probably. I don't know. I don't. I have to see you in your work environment. But to be a Toby, it's pretty. Well, then, then uh, Justin called me. Uh, Justin Kong called me something else. Uh, who's the high strung character? Not high strung. Like everything's okay on the surface, but he's freaking out constantly. Andy. Yeah, he called me an Andy. I think he called me Andy. Um, which I agreed more with just in the description of. Yeah, everything he's seems like, to be okay with him, but he's freaking out constantly. Imagine Ed Helms as a more cheery person than his hangover character yeah i can see that like there's literally a scene where he goes it's okay everyone and then just punches a hole in the wall excellent yeah so that's pretty much shows you his character okay feel um so this one uh i will just read it so a lot of these are kind of just people posting online so so kevin from the office is a genius who only pretends to be who only pretends to be dumb that's the one who makes the chili yeah and he's the one that dopey one he works in accounting and he has this thing uh, you find out like in the last couple episodes, mm-hmm. he was like fudging numbers and he created his own uh, number called a Clevin. And okay. his thing was one plus a Clevin equals home by seven. So, so pretty much if he couldn't figure it out, he'd just write in Clevin. He'd write in like his fake Clevin number and uh-huh. just make it work. Okay. So it's like these books are just terrible because there's like no actual math. It's just him being like, well, this doesn't add up. I'm just going to make it with a Clevin. <laughs> you know, it's just like adding like a two from nowhere to make right. it work. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Like, here's a math problem with only, you can only use prime numbers uh-huh. or odd numbers. Oh, well, I'm just going to throw a two in there because because I need it. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he only pretends to be dumb. Over the series, Kevin went from a normal dude to a complete moron. In the beginning, he starts off as kind of just regular mm-hmm. accountant regular guy. Joe, but yeah. as the show got more hyper- yeah. But by the end, he's seen he's running a. But by the end, he's running a barn. It looks like it's in good shape. If Kevin was dumb as he seems, it would likely have already failed and been on the way to doing so. This has actually been answered. The bar thing. So at the uh-huh. end, very end, he gets fired. But then he like, opens up a bar. He yeah, he's running. They go to a bar and he's running it. Pretty much what happened. So the whole show is a documentary. They're filming right, a yeah, documentary. Yeah. The second to last episode, the documentary finally airs. Okay. And then the final episode is like a year later. Okay, so they're, where they they're all getting around to a, they're all getting back together for a big wedding. Okay, and uh, they go to the they go to the bar where Kevin is, and he's running the bar. And in the table read, so they cut it from the fl- they cut it from the show, but in the actual table read, which there's video of, mm-hmm. it shows uh, they there's a line about he becomes part owner because he got he ranked racked up so much credit of people coming in seeing him from the documentary and buying him drinks uh-huh. that they had to make him a part owner because he was like just so good for business wow okay 
Yeah, so that's pretty much where. So I mean, they left that out because time. Uh huh. Um, but that's that was answered. That was actually originally in the script. Okay. So Wait. I mean, that makes sense why he has the bar now. So right. he's just a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also, I mean, he's he just ends up being super like there's a thing like he'll just start stop talking like he'll use the least amount of uh words possible mm-hmm. because he thinks it saves time okay. so he ends up going when me president they see like me me work good like you know does he really yeah like well there's like an episode where he just talks like he talks like an absolute imbecile and his explanation is that it, it saves, saves time. time it's a good point i mean i don't know if you ever realized or if you ever noticed this but I work around a lot of people who speak Spanish, and and I get rough translations of things that they're saying. Mm-hmm. And I've discovered that Spanish saves a lot of time. That Spanish is like truncated to like save space and time. Depends on well how you at least I mean, in, in like practical well, practical restaurant Spanish. Like, well, so the Spanish from Mexico is actually kind of like a slang version that truncates a lot of it, right? So that's which what I actually is. have a lot of respect for because, like, when I when I speak, it's like, like a cultural way to do it, right? When I talk to people like at work, even like my friends who are like part of my culture and like that I share like discussions with. Mm-hmm. When we're like having work discussions, like, we shorten things, but we're still not nearly as efficient as the cooks at shortening things. Yeah, it's like tr- they'll it's shout like two hand. words and like translate like a whole like paragraph worth of meaning that i can see it's nuts i get you so yeah so kevin totally and it kind of it makes sense because like when you watch him and he's always kind of giving these weird looks to the camera whenever something's going on almost like he's in on it right okay so he kind of gyms the camera yeah i mean everyone kind of does it but it's not so but that's the thing it's never like directly to camera where jim's doing that it's always in the background okay so he's always managing to put himself in the background somewhere where it's like i'm getting them all you know like that's funny you know you can kind of see it throughout and he's also a fantastic poker player he's perfected the bluff okay so this is kind of like a real life bluff Uh uh-huh so so this is like on the tad scale this is while it's it scores well on trying to on like showing us how another we or wow another me, way to let me, rewatch yeah, yeah. yeah let me let me take that sentence again. <laughs> what you just said uh so so it scores well for letting us rewatch the series through a new lens mm-hmm. um I think it also scores well for like canon right they were yeah. gonna make it a little more canon but they cut those those scenes yeah so how would you score Kevin I would on give the it scale? like a good seven, like a seven, a seven on the tad okay. scale. I'm waiting to see like another like up there eight or nine or ten. Um, but yeah, I like this. I think seven's a, f- a good feeling spot, like because they never go too hard in confirming. No, they never really confirm it, but it also makes sense because you know how characters are always like they start off one way and then they finally figure out what this uh-huh. character is and they just you yeah. know they expand on it. Yeah, but they'll always go back to like no, he still has those original human elements before he became a cartoonish character. Right. Like Michael Scott's character becomes more outlandish, but every once in a while he'll sit down and have a serious conversation mm-hmm. where he makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm going to give this a fun 7 then. I'll yeah. give it a fun 7. Yeah. You know, and especially for a show like that where it's fun and it's just like right. you know, it's just this kind of dorky guy who just does stuff and like mm-hmm. You know, and so it's like if a guy who's like loves poker and perfected the bluff, why wouldn't he try to perfect a bluff in his life? Right. No, no, no absolutely. I can see that. Yeah. That right. makes total sense. Um, let's see. Let's go to. So now I think we're done with that. Let's get into some, uh, some a little darker ones. Okay. A little darker ones. First one, not too dark, but it's actually, it could be a very good, um, it's more like a character or like a writing trope. 
mm-hmm. is the Star Wars one. There's so many Star Wars ones, but I try to pick one that was way more relevant to okay. today. Let's do uh, it. So from Episode Seven, they say that the Knights of Ren killed all of Luke's Jedi students. Mm-hmm. But there is a fan theory, which honestly, just from a writing perspective, makes total sense. For a lot that, of reasons, yeah, is that the Knights of Ren didn't actually kill Luke's Jedi students. The Knights of Ren are the Jedi students that turn to the dark side. Right. And and who and, tells us this in the beginning? Who tells us that, that the Knights of Ren killed Luke's students? I can't remember. But it's it's in the it's in the it's like a quarter of the way in. It's right? not in the it's not in the title sequence, is it? No, 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 no. Okay. It it's when it's after uh um Han meets uh what's her name? Ray. Ray. Okay, so after Han, it might even be like Han saying it. Then it might be Han or even Leia. Okay, um, I, I give this. No, 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 no. Wasn't it like the big bug-eyed girl? Oh, uh, maybe. I think it was that girl who, like, where she sees Luke's uh, right. lightsaber. I'll I'll give this a lot of credit. Um, just to give my opening tad scale is a nine. Yeah, if not a solid ten tad. This is like a Tobias Fuque tad. Yeah, and and this is <laughs> the weirdest sentence I've ever said. Yeah, no, absolutely. Very Star Wars. Tad. It's probably never been said before. <laughs> no, uh, but for this particular reason, in Star Wars Episode One or in Episode Four, excuse me, in the first Star Wars movie ever, in like Genesis Star Wars, Luke meets Obi Wan. Luke asks Obi Wan, "What happened to my father?" Obi Wan says, "Darth Vader killed your father." Darth Vader is his Darth father. Vader is his father. However, Darth Spoiler Vader did alerts. kill Anakin. There's a certain idea of like Obi-Wan isn't lying. He killed the soul and the identity of a person. Right, but exactly. That person like, is still there. Right. And Obi-Wan had to go he, he, Obi-Wan very emotionally had to experience the death of Anakin. Mm-hmm. And Anakin was somewhat reborn as Darth Vader. So there is a sort of metaphorical death to Anakin and to Luke's father. And so, and Obi-Wan ultimately is wrong about that because ultimately Darth Vader does end, become does, Anakin again yeah. and, and has the moment of redemption um, in the end of episode six. Now, that being said, it is this Lucas-Ian thing to, to, re, to take the same like, story moves and like, just rewrite them. And there's that famous really bad line that he used that it's like poetry, Right, it's mm-hmm. like stanzas; they have to rhyme. Yeah. Now, most people look at that as like George Lucas being a crazy, shitty filmmaker and just saying shit. But it seems to keep happening yeah. in in the franchise, right? I mean, again, we have another. I mean, this whole episode seven is basically just episode four, which yeah. is basically just episode one, which is which just may, and it also makes sense because Kylo wasn't Kylo one of Luke's students, right? So, and and the whole idea is that that Kylo then went rogue with some of the starting obsessing about his grandfather, right? And, and took some of the Jedi's and made them in the Knights of Ren, and then killed all of the the rest of the Jedi's, which is a little bit far fetched, right? So, what you're saying is that that Kylo like splintered off a faction of. Uh, rogue students of yeah of the students and then they went back and slaughtered the rest of the jedi in the same way that anakin slaughtered the jedi yeah, in the younglings yeah yeah in the younglings and whatnot um and yeah maybe that is what happened but also it makes sense in the story of star wars for that to be a lie that it's a metaphorical death that the knights of ren killed luke's Stu- ch- luke students i think the one reason why it wouldn't hold up so much is because kylo ren at least it it uh, now nah, you know what now that I'm saying it out loud because what I was going to say is that that we see a lot of Kylo Ren is still being Kylo Ren and still being a solo like mm-hmm. not being 
you know, super hardcore Sith. There's still some form of empathy in there. He doesn't just go outright killing everyone. Yeah, I mean, in fact, I think a lot of what we're going to be dealing with in the 8th and ninth episode is Kylo Ren doesn't believe in the dark side, which is what he's dealing with in that first movie. Like, he is struggling with taking the dark side. But I think he's doing it because he sees the necessity for the dark side, that there has to be a balance of the Force. Yeah. In the same way that Anakin had to go and... You're supposed to bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness, right? Yeah. And then ultimately he does bring balance to the force. I think Kylo Ren is trying to force the prophecy onto himself that he has to bring balance to the force, mm-hmm. and that is what is going to disrupt the force. Um, and is and maybe this might be a part of Luke's teachings, right? We might find out ultimately that like, the reason that why Luke is saying that currently it's time for the Jedi to die, maybe yeah. he set Kylo Ren off in this path to kill off the yeah. Jedi. And and just think about it. When he has Rey hooked up and he realizes she also has Force, uh-huh. if he was really evil, he'd be like, oh, crap, give me my lightsaber, cut her head off. Like, right. Let's just end it now. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of... I, I don't, yeah. So, yeah, no, the idea that <clears throat> Knights of Ren are just the students gone rogue and who knows how many students there actually were it could have just been kylo ren right exactly and like no, we don't know just been ben uh ben solo right we don't know what's true we don't know what's false what we do know is that kylo ren is struggling with being the dark side and this is actually leading me to a new fan theory that i'm just coming up with in this episode i think it's entirely possible that luke will be the ultimate villain of this this three movie series it follows with the poetic nature of it, yeah. of the recycling and like the, you know, it goes in cycles, but also the idea of like, well, if Kylo Ren is struggling with the dark side, but he also led this rebellion, maybe it's not his rebellion to lead. Maybe Luke like instilled this philosophy inception style into Kylo Ren to take down the Jedi to destroy the force. Do you think Luke is Snope? I don't think Luke is Snope, but I would be not, I would totally believe that that Luke set Kylo Ren up to go get close to Snoke so he could kill Snoke so that the Sith Snoke. Order could fall. And that way, Luke could end the Jedi Order in the way that he wants to end the Jedi Order yeah. that we find out in the trailer for the next movie. Yeah. It's time for the Jedi to end. Yeah. Well, maybe it's also time for the Sith to end. Maybe what this is like a long con. And maybe like he set up Just Kylo Ren. the destruction Ren. of all forces. Yeah, he set up Kylo Ren to, to do the Knights of Ren uh, massacre and like kill the Jedi that way Kylo Ren can get close to the Sith Lords. That way yeah. Kylo Ren could slaughter everybody, which is why he's dealing with the problem yeah. of being a Sith Lord. All right, we need to move on because we can talk about Star Wars for literally three hours. We could. That's <laughs> my new fan theory. I'm giving it a tad scale of 10. Okay. I'm here, here's, And I here's, said, I got to correct myself. I said Snope instead of Snoke. I've been wa- I've been marathoning Parks and Rec. So. Okay. So, did I say Snoke too? I meant Snoke, obviously. No, you I, you did said I it Snoke? after I said Snoke first. Uh-huh. That's because main character from Parks and Rec. Leslie Snoke. Nope. So. Okay, here's... Hold on. Before we move away from Star Wars, that is my actual... like. Let me push that out. Listeners, that's my current fan theory. But not just like a fan theory of like, hey, this is a cool way to think about this. That's what I'm calling. Yeah. I'm, I'm, putting, I'm putting $10 down on it right now. I'm calling my bookie. But $10, that's what's happening. Got that's it. what the overarching plot is. That Kylo Ren was set up to go and murder Snoke so that both orders of the Sith and the Jedi could fall. Yeah. It's all Luke's plan. All right. Cool. Now, next Two years one. from now, you can be mad at me for spoiling it. <laughs> I talked to J.J. Abrams this morning to yeah. confirm this. Yeah. Justin Roiland was in the back being like, you tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and being murdered after this podcast. Yeah. But you'll all know. Yeah. When David's not here next week, what happened? He was murdered for his knowledge. He was right, everyone. He was right. All right, so one of my favorite movies of all time has a great fan theory. 
um, based off a short story that a science fiction novel, uh, science fiction writer wrote in 2011. It's about the thing, the movie, the 1980 movie, the thing, Kurt Russell, John Carpenter classic. Uh-huh. Well, this is an interpretation fan theory. Yeah, exactly. So Which, this is like, yeah, this, this is, like is like one of the middle those, of the road Todd scale. Yeah. This is like one of those things where you go back and on the rewatchability scale, mm-hmm. it's like a high eight, nine. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is one way for me to watch. So this we movie. got two scales, rewatchability and Tad. Well, no, no, no. It, the, it's part of the Tad scale. Oh, the rewatchability. Yeah, it scores and, high because of its rewatchability. You know, there's it, a lot of metrics that go in its placement it. on the It's Tad like scale. baseball metrics. Yeah, absolutely. So, be, yeah. Be, so, I mean, the plausibility of this, probably not. That gives it a... That, that sets low, but the rewatchability is very high, so it puts uh-huh. it... Yeah, I'd say it's a solid five on the Tad scale yeah. for this. So, pretty much, it's the theory that the thing that's taking over everyone... Mm-hmm. is actually sees itself as a hero and that right. it's trying to assume it's been going across planets across the universe and finding all these hive mind planets and just overtaking it and like getting right, them and to assimilating live, them and assimilating them so essentially they're all living in harmony and they're all just doing you know they're a giant hive mind they're like a giant thing of bees mm-hmm. you know or like unity and rick and morty right um, it's a greater good move. Yeah, greater good move. And then he gets to Earth and finds these are all individuals, and there's no hive mind. So he's trying to so he's he, trying to assimilate. Yeah. Everything. So he realizes how much harder it is to assimilate everyone. Mm-hmm. So now he has to go individual by individual instead of just getting to that top of the hive mind uh-huh. and finding that everyone is fighting back. So he's having to resort to worse tactics to assimilate. Right. And and this. I think is is more about the idea of interpreting uh, a villain or a monster as having you know motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that like if we sat back and like okay like what's the motivation for Frankenstein and not Frankenstein's monster but Frankenstein himself like what is yeah. his motivation what makes him a villain like does he think he's a villain well no obviously not I mean Dracula doesn't think he's a villain right no like few villains think they're vi- I mean Hitler didn't think he was a villain Hitler thought he was doing right. You know, I mean, no one's choosing to be evil. It's just your choices in in, retrospect. You think that evil that you are doing is justified. Or you don't think it's evil. Or you think, like, this is just necessary for whatever reason. I get you. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's just a fun way to watch, rewatch the thing, thinking this thing is just trying to assimilate to bring peace. Right. But it's 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 misunderstood and and it can't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it just can't. You yeah, know what I mean, it's dealing with the fact that it is an alien body that is hostile. Yeah, or thought of as being hostile. Yeah, and it can't communicate. You know that it's trying to help mm-hmm. a beast of some fashion. And they've also confirmed that they haven't said exactly what the answer is, but they've confirmed that you can tell at the very end of the movie when uh, the two guys are left out in the snow whether they have been taken over or not. Yeah, this. I mean, this is a fan theory in the same thread. No, this isn't a fan theory. This is an actual thing that the DP said in an interview. Oh, then uh, that um, it's all a, throughout the entire movie. They light people. You can tell who's been taken over by the way they light their eyes, mm-hmm. and it's like very subtle. But if you notice it, you can see everyone who's as you're watching and you know gets taken over. You watch that person and try to notice a similarity in the way they light their eyes for all of it. Mm-hmm. And at the end, one of uh, whether it's both none. Or one of them has their eyes lit that way. Okay. So that's, just, that's an actual thing, but they haven't come out and said who it is. Okay, because there's that thing in the fan theory where it's Kurt Russell and... 
Oh, yeah, where Kurt Russell believes yeah. that the other guy's... Uh... Well, no, 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 but it's the idea that Kurt Russell knows that it's not, because what they're sipping from at the end, they it's supposed to be whiskey, but they're sipping from a Molotov cocktail. cocktail. And so Kurt Russell takes a sip from it and then passes it, and the other guy takes a sip from it. And so that's the idea of, like, Kurt Russell knows that that dude doesn't know what whiskey tastes like, like. and so thinks that that's whiskey when it's actually the Molotov. Yeah. That's, that's, it's the thing. Yeah. I mean, like, there's yeah. it's just there's a so classic much, so horror much in, movie. There's we so could, much into that movie. Yeah, I mean, we could sit back and we could tear apart just, like, the acts in the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's there's a lot in there. All right. So to move on, um, let's see, let's see, let's see. All right, so another, to end, kind of get, we'll do uh, two more dark ones. Okay, uh, and then end bright. And then we'll end on the Pokemon stuff. There's Dope. a couple Pokemon ones for all the nerdy. Pokemon's out there. are fun. So this one revolves around the Dark Knight, the Christopher Nolan Batman classic, probably the greatest superhero movie ever created. Yeah, super solid for sure. Uh, this I is mean, the one that a- that the Joker hasn't. Okay, so at the end of the movie, when the Joker has uh, two ships held hostage and they each have a detonator for the other person's ship or for the other ship. Yeah, that's that's the setup. Is he wants because of the chaos and everything he's about. He wants to. He wants people to have to choose for themselves. So he doesn't kill. He makes people get killed. Right. It's just like a Joker. Well, he does kill one guy. Right. It's a Joker thing. Yeah. He does. Just chaos. He sets people up for failure. Exactly. So the idea is that they don't have. So there's a ship full of convicts and a ship full of civilians. Mm -hmm. He says the convicts have the detonator for the civilian boat, and civilians have the detonator for the convict boat. In the end, they both end up throwing the detonators in the ocean so they don't explode each other. Mm-hmm. But the theory is Joker, because he's all about chaos, because he's all about that unpredictability factor, each boat actually had their own detonator. So if they had hit it, they would have blown themselves up. Right. And and there's nothing. there's literally nothing in the, in the movie to suggest this. No, but there's also nothing to disprove it. Right. It's entirely an interpretation of character. So I think it scores low on the Tad scale for believability, but it kind of recovers a couple points because it's like, well, I mean, that's an interesting way to like interpret I'd the character. I'd say it's like a good six. I think that's too high. I wouldn't really? even cross the five mark. I'd, huh. I'd probably be at like three or four huh. um, on the Tad scale. Because, yeah, we could see it as like, yeah, could you believe this about the Joker? Sure, I could believe that about the totally. Joker. Could I think that was implied by the movie, by the way? Absolutely not. So, I mean, is it a fan theory? Like, we'll never know what really would have happened if someone turned on that detonator because they don't in those movies. And well, we- I mean, think about it. It is There is a setup to kind of imply that. What? Think about the switch between Rachel and Harvey Dent. Yeah, I mean, obviously... So he says Rachel's He's a liar. And he, he makes everyone believe him. Yeah. And, like, he takes that for... You know, he doesn't take that for granted. He knows that people are going to believe the shit he says. Yeah just because people are good like inherently to a certain extent good like he knows that people are going to trust him for some fucking stupid reason mm -hmm. like he's trying to prove that they shouldn't trust him yeah so i mean i mean maybe one detonator would detonate both boats yeah you know what i mean like it could have it could have gone that way yeah regardless of the detonator would have just blown them both it could have also been the detonator didn't do anything and it just like sent a message to the joker and the because we also know that the joker had a master switch to kill both boats so maybe yeah. that was the only detonator, was the Joker's detonator, and he was just waiting to see... If although, anyone would do it. Right, and I don't think it turns out that way. Maybe he had, like, fireworks rigged to the boats, and that the detonators would just set off fireworks, fireworks and yeah. then the Joker would blow them up. He didn't have a bang gun in this one, in the movie, though. Right, and this could have been the bang gun. Yeah. Right? Well, no, there is a... Does he have the bang gun in Dark Knight? 
No, it isn't the no. bang gun, but I feel like they're... For some reason, the ball scene, I can imagine him having a bang gun. You remember the scene that's during like the, the gala or whatever Yeah, yeah it is? where he's holding her hostage. Yeah, I feel like that scene could have had like a bang gun. Uh, I don't think... But it didn't. No, but there is a great scene in there about, uh, you know... Yeah. Dropper! Yeah, Poor but, I mean, choice but, that's of words. but also, you know, go. every time the Joker tells his backstory three times throughout that thing, it's, it's always a lie. different. It's always right. a lie. So you never know. So the idea is that, I mean, they, they don't confirm nor deny, but just from character traits alone and previous actions, mm-hmm. it's very plausible But that that's the case. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's plausible that a lot of things could have happened. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the firework thing is also plausible. And again, there's nothing to disprove or prove any of these yeah. theories. Because there's so little time spent on it, there's a lot of speculation you can go into it. Exactly. So that's why I'm giving it a low tat scale. I think it's fun to think about, but I'd still give it a tat of like three or four. Yeah. All right. So last one. I'm going to ruin everyone's childhood right now. Oh, hit me. SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, uh, yeah. This is kind of cool. This is yeah. a biological thing. Okay. So let me get into it. Uh, there's one funny theory that they're all, uh, this isn't the same theory. That I'm going to be talking mm-hmm. about, but just a quick aside. There's a theory that they're all lifelike animals because they're all uh, fallout and from the mutated, nuclear testing. Yeah, area. from nuclear testing. Yeah, so, that's kind of funny. Yeah, that's just like, oh, that would make sense. There's also one that they're all based on, like the seven deadly sins. Okay. Yeah, Patrick Sloth. Uh, crabs is greed. Crabs is greed. in his envy. Uh huh. That makes sense. I mean, that makes sense from a writing standpoint that yeah. that he wrote those characters that way. That way, yeah. Like, yeah, but that's... I'd give that a solid task scale. Yeah. It's like good six. Yeah, based on like the idea of the writer uh, sitting there tropes, writing yeah. about. Yeah, absolutely. But this one is a lot darker than right. all that. So <laughs> we never find out what the Krabby Patty secret formula is. No. We never know that. In the entire series, I mean, I haven't watched in a long time. I'm pretty sure it's... I mean, the it's trope is that yeah. you'll never find out what it yeah. is. You know, it's, it's the... Uh, briefcase in pulp fiction yeah i mean the whole point of the show is that you never find out the secret ingredient yeah I, I just want to read this word for word go for it because yeah, yeah. the ending of it is hilarious no, 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 read it man when a whale dies its carcass can fuel an entire ecosystem for a very long period of time this is true in biology right this is just like a matter of fact yeah i find it curious that mr krabs has a whale for a daughter but there is never a mention of Pearl's mother or how she came under the guardianship of crabs. So Pearl is Mr. Krabs' uh, blue whale daughter. She's a teenager. Mm -hmm. I believe that Mr. Krabs stumbled upon the carcass of Pearl's mother and built his restaurant around it. He also comes upon an infant Pearl and adopted her as his own, perhaps for malicious intent. Steadily, he has been profiting off the sale of whale meat throughout his delicious, through his delicious patties. He is also, he also has a contingency plan for when the meal, for when the meat runs out. Once his daughter is fully grown, she's, she's going off to college, uh-huh. air quotes, when actually she's going to be butchered, cooked, and served up by a mentally disabled sponge and a depressed squid. <laughs> Yeah, I that mean, last line is just served by a mentally disabled sponge and an oppressed squid. Yeah, who knows? Maybe Krabs has been doing this for generations. Yeah, it's entirely possible for a lot of reasons. I think it's it's a believable thing for Krabs to do. I think it it might be like a funny joke that like the writers put in originally because I mean a lot of early season stuff is like really crazy. It's real adult and a little crazy. I mean they have they have a scene about doing like. 
in, in earlier seasons, there's a sequence where Mr. Krabs wants to go panty raiding. And like, yeah. like that's, that's like a little like it's not like deranged or anything, but like that's a little like perverse. It's like someone watched Animal House and went, "I got an idea for an episode." This yeah, week. I got an, exactly. Like, let's do like a TV. You know, let's do an episode where SpongeBob takes Mr. Krabs on this crazy adventure, and Krabs just wants to like ramp it up. But the crazy adventure that SpongeBob wants to go on is like stupid and fun. Yeah, like catching jellyfish. Like, yeah, exactly. Or like going like playing with kids. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and the whole time that Mr. Krabs is playing with kids and he wants to be like raiding panties is a little like. That's like, whoa, dude. Yeah. A little raunch. Yeah. A um, little weird. And so, yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot of adult themes that go on throughout that. I mean, the show is about Bikini Bottom. It's where yeah. vaginas are in, in the bottom of bikinis. Yes, the name Bikini Bottom can imply a lot to those of an older audience. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the show is kind of built around this idea of, like, it's fun for kids and, and funny for adults. adults. Um, Storks is the same way. I don't know if you've seen that movie. I just I watched it the other night. But I mean, like a lot of animated films are that way, yeah, where it's like so, funny I mean, for kids. That's Pixar. Yeah, and it's like it's still like interesting to adults because there's jokes for adults as well, and like hits on real like thing things mm-hmm. that kids won't understand, but the adults will. And so yeah, I I believe that it could be like a writer joke that like the person who's writing it put that in there. Um, I've also seen another fan theory that Mr. Krabs doesn't have a secret ingredient. That it's just like regular hamburgers. It's regular hamburgers. The idea of it being a crabby patty, like the implication that the patty is made from crab, crab, that it's a crappy patty, I think that's a little bit deranged as well. And like other people have like mentioned, like, well, maybe Mr. Krabs doesn't have a family because he's feeding his family to, he's feeding all the crabs. I mean, why he's is he the only crab in the you know in the yeah. show? Right, and it's like well, so, everyone's pretty much besides the fish, everyone's the only one. Yeah, exactly. Except for I parents, mean, we meet other ones, right? Well, yeah, parents and, like, siblings or whatever. Yeah, like, the but that's odd about episode it. Where we meet the family. But we never meet a crab family, I don't think. Well, no, no we meet Mr. Krabs' Krabs. mother. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of fun SpongeBob theories. I think that's a solid one for sure. I just think it's so dark. It's like, hey, you know this fun kid's show about a guy who likes being a fry cook for minimum wage? Well, guess what? He's actually selling a dead animal to everyone. Well, I mean, like, he's selling a dead animal to everyone anyways. Yeah. Like, even if it's, like, beef. but like, But, like in a very malicious way and like right, a yeah, super yeah. dark way where he might end up killing his own daughter for profit. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, his own air quote daughter. daughter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It also makes a lot of sense that like, how did Mr. Krabs come into having a daughter that is a whale? I mean, again, that might just be a joke of it like, connects dots. It could just be a joke. That, like the writer of the show, like used to work for, you know, used to be a fry cook and the owner's daughter was it's like a really fat. A, yeah, yeah. was a air quotes a whale. whale. Um, I mean, like, it could be a lot of things. Uh, yeah. I still give it a high tad scale because I think, again, it could be like just like something that the writer like built into the show yeah. and never meant it to be revealed, never meant no. it to be just like, it's just kind of background that he used when he's creating the show. Yeah. So I'll give it like a tad scale, like six or seven. I would I would definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let me look through. All right. We'll get into a couple more lighthearted ones now to finish it off. Uh, one you wanted to talk about was this Guardians of the Galaxy one. Uh, so in yeah. the first Guardians of the Galaxy, Yondu knew Star-Lord had given him a fake orb as soon as Star-Lord said, don't open it, but he knew the orb was more trouble than it was worth, so he pretended not to. Yeah, I think this is a solid move. Um, I think it's something that we get a lot of perspective in, in the second one. So in the be- in the first movie, uh, for those of you guys who aren't familiar with, I mean, who am I kidding? Like Our, our listeners are familiar with the it. show, or with the movie. Uh, Yondu, hand, or Yondu gets the... The, the orb that's supposed to have the uh which the Chris, infinity stone. yeah the infinity stone in it i think it's the power gem yeah the power whichever gem it is so he's supposed to have the yep. infinity stone in it and star lord says don't open it and it's 
it's supposed to be this line of like that thing's crazy powerful be careful don't you know mm-hmm. fuck with it and yandu was like yeah of course i'm not gonna fuck with this huge thing that's gonna murder us all and so he like he goes off and like later on he opens it and, and it turns out to be it's a troll doll and he gives this like smirk of like oh peter you got me exactly i think after we watch the second one when we learn more about yandu and how he like took star lord because he knew his dad was going to eventually kill him most likely right and like and... yandu's whole thing is that he's trying to protect the people he cares about right and like mm-hmm. yandu's a sort of father figure to all of his ravagers and he gets overthrown and like all this shit happens in the second movie but like yandu at his core is like a really good character which is why mm-hmm. he took he quill under heart. his arm yeah, lots right. of hearts. he's got a lot of heart i mean he's just like mary poppins y'all he's mary poppins y'all so maybe and I like this a lot because I think it, it means a lot. I think when he's leaving in the first movie and Peter Quill's... I think when he hands it to him, Yondu knows it doesn't have the, the, yeah. the Infinity Stone in it. Because at that point, they're feuding. You know, they're right. going against each other. And, and so he knows that Quill's got some ulterior motives. But he also knows that... I mean, like, he's he basically raised Quill. So he probably taught Quill how to, like, do sleight of hand. Yeah. Like, he probably taught him how to, like you know, trick people into taking things yeah, they didn't want. Yondu's done the exact same thing. Exactly. This isn't a, you know, student teaching the master. This is a, you know, master accepting the lie from the student because he needs to. Yeah. Because if he takes the Infinity Gem, then he puts his entire Ravager Corps at risk. You know, at risk. And he's not going to do that to his men. He's not going to do it to his family. He's not going to do it to the people he loves. And so what he does, he takes it knowing that it's fucking with him. And I think the smirk is very telling. Mm-hmm. Because we know that Yondu, the character, likes to collect little trinkets and things. Yeah. And so I think when he gets the troll doll, it's a gift from Peter. And that's why he gives the smirk of like that. Like he could have just given him an empty ball. But he gave him the troll doll as like a little gift. like Something he can put on his dashboard. Exactly. Like that's adorable. And I think it, it, it makes like... Quill had to put thought into it of like, okay, like, well, I'm not just going to give him an ha- empty one. I'm going to put... Because he had to plan it way well, early. Well, he had that troll doll with him, remember? Right. But he also had to have planned that way earlier to put the mm-hmm. troll doll in there. That yeah. way it was ready to go when he had yeah. to give it to Yandu. So he had that on him for a long time in that movie. Maybe like a couple hours at least. Mm-hmm. And so he put it in there and then held on to it because he was ready for this, this switcheroo, which mm-hmm. Yandu took. I think it adds a lot of depth to the characters. I like it. I give it a tad skill just because I believe it's so hard. I give it a tad skill like nine. But yeah. that's just me being possibly susceptible to it. it no, I I give it like a solid seven. Okay, just I'll, because, I'll, just I'll because I also. Seven. I mean, no, you can keep yours, but I'm just saying it's like it's very very possible. Mm-hmm. But also, there's nothing to really suggest it, you know. Other than just his character traits, right? Which we've been saying the character trait thing doesn't really lend high on the tad scale. It's more uh-huh. about the actual setup and what you see and don't see. Right, right, absolutely. So I'd say a solid seven because James Gunn is good enough a writer to do something like that. Yeah, and James Gunn, I think, took those movies seriously enough to put stuff in there like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, let's finish off with the last two. Uh, Do you want to do your... We're going to do two Pokemon ones here. Um, Yeah, why don't you... Let's 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 just do this one that we have. Okay. So, for those familiar with Pokemon, a little setup. There's a character called Mew. Um, I don't know the whole backstory on Mew. Do you know what the whole backstory with Mew is? Uh, canon on the show, or just like what or in the anime? Like, yeah, I mean, just like the history of the Mew, like what it because it's it's like a magic. It's not even a Pokemon technically. It's like right. Well, it's no, actually it, like a semi. It's like a demigod or something. I don't think that's true. I think it's it's. Hold on, let me look at. Essentially, Mew? it's yeah. Um, because Mew's the small one, right? Yeah, Mew's the cute one. Uh, and then Mew two is the evil one. 
and Mewtwo. Well, yeah, Mewtwo is like the the genetically modified. Yeah, Mewtwo version. is a clone of Mew that was done in a in a science lab. And there's a character uh-huh. that is hard to find but pops up every once in a while in the Pokemon universe called Ditto. And Ditto can react and take the form and powers of any Pokemon it comes into contact with. Uh-huh. And I correct me if I'm wrong, he doesn't keep those abilities. He changes from each Pokemon, right? Yeah, yeah. He changes from Pokemon to Pokemon. Pokemon to Pokemon. So he's like a shapeshifter. Except exactly. the eyes never change. I yeah. think is what it is. Yeah. So pretty much what the deal is Mewtwo. Uh huh. There's no possible way that's the first attempt, and they just got it right. So the, the, this is the, the fan theory, theory that Ditto are Ditto's placed all around and hard to find, and just you know they don't pop up very often because there probably wasn't that many of them. Mm-hmm. Are all failed clones of Mewtwo or of, of Mew. Mew? And then this the thing online has a lot of bullet points. Right. So here here are some bullet points. Some some ideas posited by the redditor who made yeah. this fan theory or at least and there's a whole the like theory. wikipedia for it right there's okay. a whole like yeah there's a whole wikipedia about why don't you like, read out the url so people can type it in uh don't do that i'm just that's not good radio p colon forward slash i'm dying you are killing me right now and dead okay when i justin roiland didn't even have to show up hit us with some bullet points matt all right mew and ditto share almost identical colors Mm-hmm. For their normal and shiny variants, which Fair. are pink and blue, respectively. Fair. Mew shiny and... Mew must be ridiculous. I know, right? Mew and Ditto sh- share a common weight of 8.8 pounds. Okay. Mew and Ditto are Oddly both... specific. Exactly. Mew and Ditto are both genderless. Uh, that happens now and again with Pokemon. Yeah. But... But fair. Both species are capable of asexual reproduction. Yeah, that's not common. But I'm sure is has has happened in the Pokemon world. Mew and Ditto's base stats are leveled across the board. That's too coincidental. Mew and Ditto are the only Pokemon who can naturally learn transform. Technically, both can learn any move. Okay, that is also crazy. Mew holds all of the DNA of all known Pokemon, while Ditto can essentially breed with every single Pokemon aside from select legendaries. Okay, I dig it. Ditto's appearance as a blob uh, looks like I'm missing something from there. There's something about him being so. Ditto is pretty much just a blob, meaning uh-huh. he is a failed. He's amount, goop. Yeah, yeah, he's just goop because when you're trying to clone something, doesn't come out right. It just comes out as goop. Well, you know? or and, it doesn't, yeah, I mean that's not like canon. That's not like no. how the real world works. No, 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 no. But like, yeah, that's how this. Like, the, you think of a scientist. It's scientist. how the cartoon works. Yeah, it's like, like how the anime works. It's just like this idea of like okay, something goes wrong. Right it just now, all goop. Yeah, right. You know? it, it couldn't constitute its body, which it's is why like, also the eyes maybe never change. Yeah. Mewtwo's bio state is it. Mewtwo's bio states it's the only successful clone of Mew, alluding to more than one attempt. Right, alluding so to that, failures. Yeah, exactly. It was implied that Mewtwo was created on Cinnabar Island, where Dino can be found and caught there. Yeah, I mean, that's off. That's a strong correlation. Mewtwo, who was supposed to be the superior to Mew, lacked the ability to alter its genetic makeup and transform into any Pokemon in existence, which Ditto's entire traits revolve around so essentially what this could be is that they had to take that property out of Mew to be able to successfully clone it Mm -hmm. and so 
all the time before they realized that all these dittos still had that trait. Right, which made them goopy. Which made them failing. Yeah, exactly, because when you're trying to clone they something to that can transform, right. it's going to come out different. Right. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I yeah. mean, here's the thing is is you can list like two of those, and I'd be like, okay, that's a pretty strong correlation. I think I believe you. But it's the fact that there's so many of these things yeah. that are like weird coincidental, but also like oddly specific stuff of like mm-hmm. their weight and stats being al- aligned exactly. And like even just the illusion of is the only successful attempt. Yeah, I mean, this could... There, there is that whole thing about like Mew isn't one of the original Pokemon. Like, it was Mew and Mewtwo were added late, and like not specific to like anything. So, like, yeah. I mean, maybe these are all like crazy fan theories for a reason because it was added late, and like they had to like throw together a lot of like just random things to connect into the story, and like people filled in the blanks. But that's a lot of like odd coincidences to like mm-hmm. not have some design behind it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, as just like in terms of like crazy things they never like expound upon Mm -hmm. just because they're like, hey, let's just because there are definitely people out there when they create these massive world type things. They think about, especially when you're nerdy like us and you're creating something. I mean, you leave behind clues clues. for people to put together to get these overarching things. Exactly. get these moves. And the best storytelling never tells you everything. They only tell you what you need to know. Everything else is left up. Yeah, I mean, it's the JJ, or it's not JJ Evans, but it's the magician's thing of like, well, JJ has this great talk on Ted um, about what's in the box. Yeah. Uh, You know, if you put a a box on stage with a question mark on it, the only thing people are thinking about is what the fuck is in the box? Yeah. Right? It's like, that's how he created Lost, right? Lost was just a big question mark on a box. And it's like, what the fuck is on the island? Someone tell us what is on the island. Um, There's so so many theories about Lost that I did not put down. (laughs) Yeah, well, mostly because Lost just got off the rails because of the writer strike. But. Yeah, the writer strike hurt. And also, there was one theory that, I mean, it was kind of like a slight at them, but it was mm-hmm. like people figured out it was purgatory too fast, so they had to figure out how to fill out 125 episodes. Yeah, so they dicked around with the show. Yeah. And made it go like time travely and timey wimey yeah. bullshit. Honestly, without the writer strike, that would have probably would have ended in like five seasons instead right. of seven. But it had to go off the rail for a lot of reasons. All that being said, I, I put this Pokemon one pretty high on my tad scale i'm gonna say it's like a nine it might be even like a 10 on the tad I think scale this i think it's by design full, i think it's a full 10 i truly do think it's a full 10 mm-hmm. you know so yeah that's uh that's a fun one just comparing things and it's like leaving so many clues that just add up it's yeah it's, it's almost too a, many things that are yeah. that can't all be coincidence exactly so and ditto such an insignificant character why not just do it with a throwaway Right, but also just like also a useful throwaway. Like having yeah. a ditto is generally useful. Yeah, when you get a ditto, you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be able to do a lot of stuff now. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure like the actual practicality of it isn't that great, but I'm sure like the thought process of like I I feel like I can do more stuff with my with yeah. my ditto. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, that's pretty much all our uh, all the like most interesting fan theories. There's so many more out there. Yeah, that absolutely. I was reading. And, you know, some of them have a lot more basis than others. Like, Justin Lin has actually confirmed that Han's character in Fast and the Furious is from his other series. Is from the other movie he made before that. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, there's a lot of fan theories like that where where people kind of put it together and then, like, it's confirmed by other people. Um, It's like, yeah, I just didn't feel it necessary to come out and say it at the time, but you guys figured it out. So here you go. Yeah. I think think the the thing to take away from this episode is fan theories are fun. I think it's fun to make up fan theories. I made up one on this episode. Um, I think that's 
a ton of fun as like fans to go do. I think it's also like fun to like gamble on it and like not literally gamble, but like like state your claim. Be like, I think this might be true. Like, I think this might be actuality because of all the hints we've been given. And I think it, like honestly, like I have so much fun watching TV shows and watching movies and trying to pick up what they're laying down. Is like okay, like what are they trying to tell me here? Like I break down sequences in movies of being like, what is the sequence trying to tell me? What are they? What are they hiding here yeah. that I'm gonna pick up later? And like, I'll sit with my, you know, with whoever. I'll sit with my girlfriend, my friends, and we'll watch a movie. And I'll like call shit. And like the first ten minutes, like that's gonna make a comeback. Like this is the actual villain. Like this is gonna come back to this. And like I'm trying to like draw all those lines. And people yeah. hate me for it sometimes. Well, but I, I mean, but that's also because you're like you are a writer. You know that you know the tropes. You know how people set up things. You understand right. it a lot better. I also so. envy how some people would set shit up. Like I. I envy the fact that Christopher Nolan set up stuff like the top versus the ring in Inception. Yeah. I love how he set up, um, I mean, a lot of stuff in Inception. I love how he set up the beginning of the movie towards the end of the movie. Yeah. I love I love so many little things in, in dumb, shitty movies sometimes. Just because it's like when I see it happen, I'm like, I wish I could do that. I it's, wish it's I had just, done it's that. It's so creative, you know? But a lot of that is from all the hard work. You know, I doubt they just had that originally. It's it's over and drafts yeah, yeah, yeah. and over Let me, and over, Yeah, know? exactly. You know, you got to work stuff in differently. And then all of a sudden you find this like magic place to like hide yeah. something. You're like, oh, this is going to be perfect yeah. to call back on later. I mean, you look at all the stuff in Harry Potter. Yeah. You know, Harry Potter is rife with this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. obviously, it, I mean, that's an eight book series. Yeah, exactly. Like the bigger the series, the more likely it's going to have a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that you, you tuck away and you hide and you just like leave illusions to, but you never get back to it. Or you set something up or like you had something throwaway that you never thought about that people are like, oh, what about this? And then you decide later, oh, let's go back to that and kind of explore right. it. I mean, you, you, you leave things in the story for, for people to pick up on, but you don't have to explain because it's not what the story is about. Like people used to talk about like, well, and this is a more recent fan theory, but this is a pretty dumb one too that when gandalf is falling into uh the the pits of Khazad-dûm, that when he's falling and he says fly you fools like um, he meant to go take the eagles right he means for them to all take the eagles but like that's such a dumb it doesn't yeah. make any sense and like though like first response to that is well in the books it specifically says the eagles didn't want to go near there because they're they were pretty sure they were going to get shot down yeah they didn't by, want by to, arrows and they, they knew it was a suicide mission so they weren't willing to do it it's like done yeah, exactly. There's so many like that, you know, and it's, but that's the, what's fun about the fan theories, at least for me and like mm-hmm. talking about it, especially like when we go see a movie, we talk about it after it gets as creative people, you know, it gets your creative juices going. Oh, and yeah. it's, it's like you saw the story this way versus the other person. And it's like, not only are you being able to compare ideas, but you're also thinking n- not so much how you would have made it better in but most cases, but how you would have done it in that inspires you to go do your own thing and like mm-hmm. you're like you have a basis now and you want to like work something out and like you know anytime like all this stuff you know it just fires synapses in my brain where it's like you now, start drawing connections and exactly, new things new ways and, exactly and now yeah. it's like what if someone made the story of tony perkis becoming white goodman like why aren't how, i could go write that script why not yeah you know? exactly how it's funny like, would that be like what's what's the next one we're gonna see like i mean Stuff like you could have left out that scene um, with Bruce Willis at the end of Split, and maybe like five years from now, someone like finds another sub character that's really small yeah. and referenced in one of the movies. Like, <gasps> wait a second, is this a sequel? And like that'd be really interesting. Like people could do stuff like that across yeah. all sorts of different movies. Yeah, or like an interview with M Night Shyamalan where he's like, "Oh yeah, Kevin was this original idea for Unbreakable," and, and then now, people start drawing uh, connections between exactly. the two movies. 
Yeah, I mean, like, there's all sorts of different ways to interpret the fan theory, and I, I love all of them. I mean, like, there was that big fan theory right when Split came out about life, that life was going to be this uh, prequel, prequel to, to Venom. Venom. Like, that was such a cool idea. It didn't come to fruition. They were both Sony Pictures, so there's a lot of, like, connection there. But it never came to fruition, and it just kind of fell through the cracks. Mm-hmm. But, like, that is such a cool, like, fan theory. And how many mo- comic book universes can we put Ryan Reynolds in? Yeah, let's get I him think, in all of them. I think that's, like, the biggest thing. It's like, yeah, Ryan Reynolds, should, it's pretty much in every single one. Yeah, if he had been put into the Sony Pictures uh, Spider-Man franchise and spinoffs, that would have been every single one. Except for... Marvel Cinematic. No, he's... Oh, you're right. He's not Marvel Cinematic. He's Fox right now. Right. Well, he's he's Fox. He was in Marvel Knights um, when they were doing the Blade trilogy. Oh, yeah, right. Because he's, yeah, yeah, he's in Blade, but that's not like part of the MCU. So, yeah. yeah, he's not in MCU until they allude to... And he's still not in Sony, but... Yeah, until they allude to or confirm uh, Blade as part of the MCU... Uh, yeah, he's not technically in the MCU. Which they should do. Yeah, they should at least allude to it. Yeah. Just, like, make a reference to vampires. Yeah. Which would be kind of funny. They're like, there used to be a great vampire hunter out here. Yeah, exactly. Make a reference to Blade or make a reference to You could to easily King. do that with, like, a Sinister Six movie or, like, something like that, yeah. Sure, but that would be Sony. I mean, yeah. like, whoever does it first will just be kind of funny, but I think Mar- uh, Disney has to own the rights to that. I Disney think has so. to own the rights to Blade. I, get, I, I gotta see. We gotta figure out what uh, what it came out on. I th- I'm pretty sure it was a, the, well, it's definitely a Marvel product. Well, yeah, but, Marvel at, the, but at the time, they were throwing... Yeah, it might have been so, like Legendary or some bullshit. Or like, you know, like if it's a TriStar versus like Weinstein or something. Right, I mean, know, it could have like been Near Max or something, so who knows. All right, well, I, uh, I think we've dived real deep into this. Yeah, um, fans of the show, send us your fan theories about our show or other fan theories about yeah. other shows. Yeah, what are your fan theories about David and I? Are we really a two-headed person? Are we I was even two- friends? Yeah. Did I find him on the street and said, hey, do you want to host a podcast with me? And then we created an elaborate backstory about how we've been friends for years and I'm not even married. Yeah. What if Matt is not married? I'm kidding. I'm married. What I if, love you, babe. What if all of our friends that come on the show are really just impersonations that we do of other people? How, what if we're just... Have you met Matt? Kirk Blackwood? Sounds like a fake name. You know what? Not even his real last name. No, dumb, no, dumb, dumb. technically real last name, but not original. Yeah, it's last his legal name. last name. Legal last name, so real. Um, or is it? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Is well, this even a podcast? What are you listening? Is to? this all in your head? <laughs> You've been in a coma for thirty-six years. I just shat myself, <laughs> literally in this chair, thinking about that. <laughs> all right. Well, that's because you're in a coma. And you Ladies and gentlemen, you get up to go to the bathroom. Follow us on Twitter at btjmopod, facebook.com, <laughs> facybook.com slash btjmopod. But that's just my opinion. Pod at gmail.com. If follow you us on Buzzsprout at btjmopod, the podcast pod pod. Well, that, yeah, that you'll see the links if you follow us. It'll take you to that Buzzsprout uh, you can, site. You can rate us on iTunes. You can rate us on uh, Spotify. Uh, we're not can, on Spotify. You can find us on Spotify at btjmo. That's not a thing. Uh, we're on Pandora at hashtag btjmo. Does Pandora use hashtags? I don't know. We have a know. Snapchat filter coming out next week. Uh, it's it's Matt's face put over your nipples. Um, it's a censorship thing. <laughs> None of these things. Um, they're, no, they're, they're real. They're totally real listener. So, so go check them out. On, check us out on... on uh, yeah, but please do actually rate, review, and subscribe on uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever. We should be able to be found through all podcast formats. So you can check out our YouTube channel check. at uh, redlettermedia.com. Uh, <laughs> Um, we're also at team four star.com 
and uh, Video Game Donkey. We are all of those things. You can find us at those YouTube channels. And you can find David's videos at youtube.com slash David J. Navarro. There you go. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, just look it up. And we have linked to it in before, so you can just go find those videos on our Facebook page. And the song this week is going to be uh, a new ba- a band that I've been listening to for a little, for like a year or so now. Uh, Jason Isbell in the 400 unit. He was originally, he was like one of the original members of the Drive-By Truckers, and he broke off. He's done a bunch of his solo stuff, and he puts out albums either with his own name or with his band, The 400 Unit. This time, mm-hmm. his newest one, he put out with The 400 Unit. And so this is 400 songs in a row. That all just say unit. That just say unit. So it's 400. Unit. <laughs> unit. Yeah, it's, unit. Him. It's, it's literally him saying unit in 400 different ways. I'm excited. Play so, it out. <laughs> so the album's the Nashville Sound. It just came out last past week. I'm really digging it, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. And the song's called "The Cumberland Gap." So I hope everyone has a great weekend. We'll see you next week. And remember, you can agree or disagree with us, but that's just our opinion. Leonardo DiCaprio and David Cross. Yeah, please, you know.